0: Brett has to record this whole episode Blair Witch style. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You should have to do the whole thing. <laughs> and then we um, released the video of just Brett <laughs> walking
1: around. Welcome
2: to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, along with Joe Shell, Colin Lerner, and Brett Fortnum. We hope you're having a great spring and Bayheim University. Just got a little bit bigger. <laughs> the Syracuse basketball program has added Jimmy Bayheim through the transfer portal. Uh, Jimmy is going to be coming to Syracuse from Cornell University. He's a six foot eight forward. He's a rising senior. Interesting thing to take note Cornell did not play basketball last season as the Ivy League canceled the winter sports due to COVID. He averages, uh, let me see here. Uh, last season, uh, so which would be 2019-2020 for him, 16.7 points a game, 5.6 rebounds a game, 1.9 assists. He's definitely one of the better players on Cornell's team, was one of the leaders of that team. Cornell was only 4-17 and 17 in the regular season in 2019-2020, so definitely left a lot to be desired there. He'll be coming in to play with his brother and play for his father, and I am so excited for this episode <laughs> Because Colin, in private, has been warning about what his reaction would be if we brought Jimmy Beheim into the Syracuse lineup, and now we get to hear Colin unvarnished with his take. <laughs> so we're going to just all step away and let Colin... Go ahead. Your take on Jimmy Bayheim joining the Syracuse basketball
3: team. Oh, thank you. Well, um, so for all of our listeners, I will try and at least stay somewhat measured. Um, and I really kind of boil this down to three things that really, truly bother me about this. Number one, this takes a roster spot away from somebody else who might actually use it. We have seen people transfer out of the school, i.e. Woody Newton, i.e. Robert Braswell, who are actually getting some kind of playing time. People are going to transfer out because Jimmy Beheim is taking playing time off of somebody who actually needs it. Secondly, and what really bothers me the most about all of this, is that it takes away from the other players on the team. Nothing has upset me more than when I watched a basketball game and they interviewed Julie Beheim in the stands for like the first 25 minutes of the game. Julie Beheim is great. She's a wonderful human being. I'm glad for all this he does for the school. She is not a member of the team. How about you highlight Marek Dolazai, who was coming over here from Slovakia and figuring out a way to be in America and be a great basketball player. How about you highlight any of the other stories from all of the other interesting kids who have come to school here? I read after the season ended, I, I remember that interview particularly because I read a story after that season ended about how Frank Howard's father was the glue that held that like parental unit Together, all of the parents of that Syracuse team, which were struggling for a while, were really down. And Frank Howard's dad was the kind of cheerleader guy. He held it all together. He was at every game. He was the kind of rah-rah person who was really supporting the team. I didn't hear about any of that during the season. None of it at all. I read about it afterwards in a great article by a small-town newspaper. I think it was some guy from the Daily Arnold, honestly, who wrote about it. But these are the stories we used to hear about, not Julie beheim And now we're going to get more stories about how the three Beheims came together, about how Julie Beheim taught them all how to shoot, how blah, 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 blah. All this other BS. I'm going to have to hear Bill Raftery talk about how Julie is a woman with the great shot in the school and all this kind of, or in the family and all this kind of stuff. Drives me absolutely insane. And thirdly and finally, I understand that me saying we're not Bayheim University has become a kind of joke. And that's fine. And it really is. And I'm fine with that. However, if we want to be taken seriously as a program, as a school, as a top 15 blue blood ish college basketball program, we have to be known as Syracuse. We can't be known as the gimmick school where all the Bayheims go. Oh, hey, that's the school where Bayheim and his two kids play. No, we have to be a place that people look up to as a great college basketball destination. You have to want to go to Syracuse, to play for Syracuse, not to be the third sideshow to the Jim Bayheim circus. So those are the three main reasons, along with a plethora of other of other ones that I will save everybody from getting into. But those are the three main reasons why this royally, truly pisses me off. That is the end of my round. So, Colin...
1: You've put me in a very, very awkward situation of having to defend the Bayheims, which is not something I'm normally accustomed to doing. I cannot wait for one James Arthur Bayheim to retire. I believe all of our listeners know this quite well by now. But I find your arguments lacking. And the reason I find them lacking is because I actually think it's a decent transfer portal pickup. If if we looked at this with no name, if it was just player A from Cornell University with these stats, we would go, oh, this is an intriguing pickup. This could help the team. And quite frankly, there's only one thing that matters when it comes to sports at this level, and it's winning. And I honestly believe that Jimmy Beheim might contribute to the team winning much more so than someone like. Cole Swider. I know, Joe, that you you have a particular love affair with him and high hopes that he will find a fresh start. But I think that there is a more limited ceiling with uh, Jimmy. But I think that it I, I, I have hope the fact that he could score a little bit, you know, he will probably struggle a little bit defensively, but he's also heard his dad talk about the zone quite a bit. Now, when you say he's going to take away from others minutes-wise, this, Braswell's gone, Newton's gone, and they didn't leave because they thought Jimmy Beheim was coming. They left because they see better opportunities elsewhere. So we're going to have Benny Williams coming in. I'm hoping Benny Williams gets some minutes. We're going to have Cole Swider come in. Meh. So, you know, it's going to be those three forwards. Joe, your point last week, that Quincy's 22 makes me very skeptical that he's going to come back. So I think that there are going to be minutes to go around, and I think that they're going to need to go to someone who can score a little bit. And if Jimmy Bayheim can get us 10 points a game, I don't know that there is a better transfer portal candidate out there. When you talk about taking attention away from other students, you're right. But at the same time, your story about Frank Howard Frank Howard was on the team four years and he overlapped with buddy for one year and Frank Howard's dad, I'm assuming was at all these games more than just his senior year. So yes, you're right. The national attention is going to focus in on the Bayheim trifecta and it's going to get old and it's probably already kind of old. And I'm going to be just as sick of, of that as you, but I think that the, the, national fatuation with the Bayheim name was already there. And everyone was already talking on the national broadcast. Everyone's just talking about Jim Bayheim, Jim Bayheim, and then buddy Bayheim comes on and then Jim and buddy. And it's going to be terrible for a year, but if the team is going to win, if the team is more likely to win, I'm going to be happier if the team is winning and I have to watch the game on mute. And if the team is not winning and Syracuse is not a gimmick school. And they're not, if anything, you could claim the 2 3 zone makes them that. But I disagree that Jimmy coming here furthers that narrative because Syracuse has been Bayheim University since before Buddy showed up, since before Jimmy showed up. And it will continue to be Bayheim University after Buddy leaves and after Jimmy leaves because I suspect that Jim Beheim will still be the head coach. We weren't that prominent before Jim Beheim, and I hope that we will still be prominent after but I don't think that his kids coming here is going to change that trajectory of what happens after Jim Beheim leaves.
3: Can I uh, rebuttal those three points personally? Go for it. Um, I, one, never said Jimmy Beheim wasn't a decent basketball player. He's a great basketball player. I said things outside that are bothering me about how he's going to affect the school. I didn't say he couldn't score the basketball. He's absolutely going to take away minutes from somebody else who could get playing time. He's a senior. Seniors are not going to help the program moving forward. Give those minutes to a redshirt freshman. Give those minutes to a walk-on. Give those minutes to anybody who's going to still be in this program next year. Don't give them to a senior who is leaving. Right. And then thirdly, so he could have two years. Uh, that's even worse. That's even gonna worse. he's going to
2: have an extra year because he's going to have an extra year because everybody gets the extra year because of COVID. I kind of think either. he's only going to
3: stay the one. I really hope he does. Just, it just really – it just bothers me. It really bothers me that Syracuse is not the, I guess, premier basketball destination that I want it to be because it is overshadowed by Jim Bayheim and his family, at
0: least in my opinion. It, Go are, ahead, we, Joe. are we gonna have other people talk on this? Or do you guys yes, got please this? Go ahead. Or... <laughs> yes, right. please. No, go ahead. So my first point is you guys are both idiots. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> and and actually, here we have a third idiot. <laughs> actually, I I kind of agree with the basic premise of what both of you are saying. I don't think your your thoughts are as Separate on the Venn diagram as you think. I think there's a there's a, a lot of a lot of middle slice of this Venn diagram. Like yes, a lot of the stuff that Colin says is going to happen. Moderation is boring, Joe. A lot of it's going to be insufferable, but the Bayheims are not to be blamed for how lazy and unoriginal a lot of broadcast crews can tend to be these days. That's just the trend, and that's kind of how it goes. A lot of these broadcasts are bad. With that in mind, Brett's right, and I know Colin didn't disagree with this per se, but Jimmy Bayheim has proven himself to to be a a good player against a moderate level of competition. We've seen him play well against us. Obviously, he knows the system. I'm sure he's practiced with the team over the years in the off season. So it's, it's going to be a good thing, and I know Colin seems concerned about taking playing time away from players who are going to be part of the program going forward. The problem is, next year is still a season, and we still need players to play in that season. When half your team leaves, you need players. Getting a good player who has shown to be able to play at a high level, I think is helpful. Does this probably mean Quincy's not coming back? I would imagine so. Does Jim Beheim have the gall to give Jimmy Beheim more minutes? than benny williams he's shown us that he probably does will he do that dear god i hope not um i think i think this might be a little more i think we all agree with you today. i think this might be a little more extreme of an example i think buddy Beheim is a far better player than jimmy Beheim is and i think that there were there was more validity to the reason kadari didn't play more than we would want to accept or believe but i'm i'm sure that you know there there were reasons that he didn't play more gerard probably should play less and that still baffles me that's a whole different conversation that we've already had 85 times my name was invoked about cole swider just cuz i'm optimistic <laughs> that, he can, <laughs> that he can contribute i'm going to defend myself here anyway First of all, I believe that the staff wasn't going to make a portal acquisition priority out of a kid that they think is trash and isn't going to help. What we do know is that he can shoot, and he can shoot well, and he can shoot and make threes at an efficient rate. That, in and of itself, will be helpful. If the kid can't play a lick of defense, then he's not going to play a lot, and he'll come in, he'll hit some shots until he makes terrible mistakes and on, on defense and in the zone. But the only reason I'm optimistic is Cole Swider was a – same thing with Samir Torrance. They were both high, highly rated recruits coming out of high school. So there is potential there for something positive. What I've been thinking about with Swider, and I think I texted this to the group the other day, he's 6'9", 6'10", and he's not skinny. He's, he's got a wider body than a lot of the kids who have been playing center for us. I don't see why Swider's not going to get minutes at the five this year. A stretch five who can hit threes at a 40% clip. I think we're going to see a lineup that has him at the five every once in a while. And if he has just decent size and can just be athletic enough to hunker down in the five spot in the zone and then be a threat on offense, when's the last time we had someone truly be a threat on offense from the five Dolajai when he was playing the five but even then mm-hmm. that wasn't his game to be playing in that spot and it kind of affected him on both sides of the ball like rock so, probably I, yeah probably and only his senior year yeah. so i think we might see him as a stretch five every once in a while but my hope is benny williams is as good as advertised he plays and then that other forward spot is going to be minutes of Bayheim and Swider. Swider's going to play. They didn't get him not to play. Could his defense be just as bad as Alan Griffin's was? It's possible. Um, and based on what we know right now, it's likely. But <laughs> they didn't get these kids not to play. End rant. That's that's what I have. This is Matt. All right, Matt. All right everything. Matt. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, man. <laughs>
2: This episode is everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> it's
0: uh, like a debate. Excuse me, sir. He invoked my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
3: God. I must rebuttal his point, please.
0: <laughs> sir, sir, sir? 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 Colin, Colin
3: just very yeah.
1: quickly. Did you like Andrew White and John Gillen?
3: Uh, I like John Gillen. I didn't really like Andrew White. Do you think they positively contributed
0: to the program? No. Andrew White's really? the best single season three-point shooter in school history.
3: I think that they had a good one-off year, but I don't think it helps to create what I want to create, which is a perennial school of like a perennial powerhouse. Who else would have
0: played that year? There was no one else to play.
3: Uh, Look, I'm not saying that they're not good basketball players. I'm not saying that they weren't helpful that year. That's all 100% true. I'm simply saying that they're not helping the program in the long run. These one-off players are not helping.
1: See, I I disagree. I think filling the gaps for that one year is important to be able to continue to have the program – Play at a high level, so you can continue to get recruits to avoid a bad, bad year.
3: I'm I'm not imagine against that Wade's team screen. without I'm John Jones and against... Andrew White? I'm not against. I don't against think, I don't think that team even made the tournament. Named... I'm just against transfers named Bayheim. Well, with
0: the, with the way with the way transfers are going, we're going to have to rely on transfers more often. And I mean, Brett's right. If you ignore the name, this is this is one of the yeah, better. No, but... I agree
3: Pickups with you. Out, I agree. Uh, if I if I ignore the name, then I it's a it's a fine pickup. But it's a glaring see, name to you avoid. You seem it's concerned like saying, about like, avoid the name Specter.
0: You seem concerned about how it doesn't help build the program at all. But I mean, West Johnson transferred, played one year, and was the best player on one of the best Syracuse teams ever.
2: Well, whoa, whoa, whoa! Let me let me jump in
0: here. West Johnson transferred from Iowa State.
2: Wes J- Johnson was playing in the Big 12.
0: I'm not comparing him to Jimmy Beheim. I am using him as an example to defend that picking up transfers can help build the program forward and are yeah. vital to... I
3: don't think picking up transfers is bad. I think picking up transfers named Beheim is bad. Because I think it's and bad I, for I don't think there's
0: any more. I don't think you'll have to worry about it again. I, I think...
2: My thing with this, I think, yes, on paper, it's a good addition. He certainly can score... He, he's a good rebounder, which is something we need, and that's actually one of the more exciting things, I think, about Jimmy. My biggest concern is how he's going to play game in and game out against ACC competition. And he might do fine, and I hope he does well. But playing in the ACC is very different from playing on a bad Ivy League team. Uh, And I'm saying that because Cornell, while it has had some very good basketball teams, including a a Sweet 16 run relatively recently, the past couple of years, they have been at the bottom of the Ivy League. They won four games two years ago. So some of them were close losses, but I'm just going to point out that... It's just going to be very different playing on a team that is expected to be mid to high level in the ACC. That's going to be very, very different from playing against Dartmouth and Yale and you know, some of those schools. Not to say there aren't some
1: good schools in there. There are, but there are, it's just yeah. different. It's just different. If we're relying on Jimmy Bayham to be anything more than, it, oh, we got some points from him, that's nice, then we're in a lot of trouble. He should not be expected to be our first, second, third, and hopefully not even fourth scoring option. And there were going to be a lot of bumps on the road, I think. Um, from what I read, he was not a great player going into the Cornell program. Uh, he wasn't getting very many offers, and he was clearly was very academic. One. Yeah, and he he called his dad. His dad said, call them back and take it. Are you joking? But at the same time, Jimmy's also been more academically minded um, than I think the the other Boeheims was what uh, the head coach said. And, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to necessarily play well all year. I don't fully expect that. I'm just saying that I think the team in the upcoming season is going to need all the help it can get and that Jimmy is as capable as someone like Cole Swider.
3: Do you think that we would have taken a transfer from a 4-16 Princeton team who did not play a single minute of basketball last year?
2: No. I don't. I, I just don't. Unless the right. guy was I... just head and tails above everybody else around him and that was, you know, and didn't make the difference. Yeah. But
1: yeah, I mean, I think if it's someone that maybe we had scouted going before he decided to choose an academic group and go to Princeton and that we had kind of kept track on, and he was one of the leading scorers of that team, then maybe. And obviously, one of the teams that was not scouting Jimmy Beheim was Syracuse way back when. He was clearly not good enough to play and be recruited by Syracuse when he entered college. And he showed a lot of growth in his years at Cornell. If... If he's taking up a spot from someone who can be with the program for three or four years that could contribute immediately because this team's going to need someone to contribute immediately, then you're absolutely right, Colin. And the, the, the other part of it is to look at it from a human element for a second. can you imagine how great it is for Jim Beheim to be able to coach both his sons? Can you can you imagine doing
3: that? I, I'm I, sure I, I, that, I'm I sure him. and I'm happy for him. Really I am. I'm 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 sure that this is wonderful for the three of them. And I'm glad for them. Really I am. But I also am a fan of Syracuse University over a fan of the Hallmark channel,
0: Beheim, you know, so, homecoming here. One last question for the group on this topic and then we can probably move on. But does anyone actually think that Jim Beheim, one of the most stubborn old son of a bitches we've ever known? cares more about giving his kid a spot on his basketball team than having a good basketball team. Cause I honestly don't think that. I think he will try to
2: have a good basketball team first. And I do think that he would pull Jimmy if Jimmy was not doing well, but you have to always wonder if that would be more difficult for him to do, or if he might give a slightly longer leash
0: Based yeah, off and of does this. Buddy get a longer leash than you know Gerard or anyone else? Yeah, obviously sometimes. I, I just... don't think
2: anybody gets a longer leash than Joe Gerard. That... For what it's okay. worth,
0: that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> but I, my that's my fair. point is, I don't think that Jim Beheim would take Jimmy on his team if he didn't think he could contribute to his team, because I think Jim Beheim cares significantly about how he does as coach of Syracuse, and I, I don't think he would jeopardize that or do anything. To make his own team worse, even for his kid. Yeah,
3: I don't well, disagree I hope... with you. I I, I, I I think when I boil it down, I, I deep down believe that Jimmy Beheim would not be on this team if his last name was not Beheim. Um, and that bothers me. I think that if his last
1: name wasn't Beheim, that he probably foregoes playing basketball this year. Jimmy does. I think that he has a great future ahead of him that has nothing to do with basketball, but that there is a chance for him to immediately contribute to this guarantees program. And he will and that's the hope. And I think that with whether Beheim would actively do something to hurt the team, of course not. But there also might this, be this gray area where, oh, well, if my kid can contribute, then maybe you miss the other guy in the transfer portal that could have a more three-year impact or something like that, that, that wouldn't be on this team if if yeah. Jimmy wasn't.
2: Well, it's certainly going to be uh, one of the more interesting storylines of 2021-22. It's a storyline
3: that will be beaten to death. It is yes, going to bother it... me for the next year. That that's also a reason why I'm really upset is that this is going to bother me for the next 2 years of my life. I'm just going to follow me.
0: <laughs> and, wait, wait, and if, if we, we... If, if we win it all this year, you're going to have to hear about it forever.
3: Yeah. Oh that, god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> will, will it be that? worth I it, Colin? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes, 100%. Okay. I would I, I would I would I would eat my hat to use a Kevin phrase if Jimmy Beheim like scored forty points in the NCAA championship game.
0: They're so, gonna they're gonna lean into it. And they're just to, gonna ruin this for Colin. The team poster is gonna be just the three of them, and everyone's like way to in the background.
1: <laughs> so, what level of success will justify this move? Uh, will another Sweet Sixteen run make it okay, or does it have to be a Final Four run? W- what is the line, Colin?
3: If if I am in a car with you guys driving to the Final Four, then I will say you guys were right. Wow. I mean, high level. What what happens if we fly to the final four? Then I will not get in a plane with you. All right. Well.
2: Interesting. I, I love that you use the old timey phrase. Yeah, I will eat my hat. Well, it was next you're gonna be screaming about carnival barkers and things like that? Good old time phrases. Yeah, man. uh oh. some other Syracuse basketball notes. Robert Braswell will play at Charlotte after transferring out through the portal and Woody Newton's going to Oklahoma state. Uh, we wish them luck at their new programs. CBS. Sports. Uh, sports I'm Wednesday. not allowed
1: to wish Woody Newton luck. Uh, my wife uh, is a is sooner that? and uh. there's a little in-state rivalry there. So if she caught me wishing uh, a cowboy luck, I might um,
2: have some issues. Mm. So Brett hopes that he breaks his leg in the first game. Hey, no,
3: no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there has to be some kind of happy medium here. So I hope this
1: is this? Woody first. Newton <laughs> does well, but the team doesn't. How about that?
2: Okay. All right. Woody has a good season, and all right. Um, CBS Sports way too early top twenty-five has SU twenty-fifth after the roster changes in the way too early top twenty-five. The look on Brett's face tells me we shouldn't even get into this any further. Uh, <laughs> we we did talk about this about two weeks ago. Brett had many thoughts about our high ranking going uh, out of the end of this season. Let's keep with things that make Colin angry. Uh, Syracuse lacrosse had itself an odd and horrible day on Saturday. The, at that time, ninth-ranked Orange decided that it was a good time of the season to get blown out in a way they haven't in years, losing their final home game, the fifth-ranked North Carolina, 21-9, to nine, which is an astounding lacrosse score.
1: Careful Carolina has been relentless. A lot of times when you hit the double digits with a two in the beginning at twenty, you call off
2: the horses. Well, got the starter still in. That is, that is really, really. Bad. I didn't even turn it off. I, I have didn't
3: some even more turn it off. For you. Oh my god. That's no, okay, Joe. I'll let you take the lead on this one. Go ahead.
0: No, all literally all I was saying was that I didn't turn it off. I watched the whole thing. I don't know why. It's like watching a car wreck in slow motion. I just couldn't. And I am just in a Did the, the Burning bus crash guys. <laughs> oh, well, remember before they we we said they got off the burning bus and then they were on the side of the road waiting for another bus to come. That bus was on fire and they actively decided to get back onto it anyway.
2: Well, it was, uh, it was bad. North Carolina was up 7-1 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, that That's pretty much all you need to know. Tucker Dordovic had four goals, so we'll give him that. What a goal. How did he score that one? He had to bank that off of a North Carolina player. Let's take a look at that again as Dordovic is the one player offensively for Syracuse who's really having a big day. He's dominating for the Orange right
3: now. I just don't uh, get it.
0: It's the same team. They're all the same players. Yeah. I don't understand. We were championship caliber last year. They're the same kids. It is
3: effort. It, it goes back to what I said. We were and missing players on defense. It's, 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 coaching and coaching too. it's coaching and effort. It's coaching and effort. Listen, we were actually, stunningly, we were actually better at the faceoff dot this week, which is actually, like, incredible. We were, I mean, we were so bad. We were better than we had been. We gave up 39 shots on goal. 39 shots in a lacrosse game. 39. That is uh, unheard of. We hadn't given up 20 goals in a game since, what, 1997? Or something like that. that. And it's a game we won. We won that game, 22 to 21. We won that game.
2: Well, on a positive note, there were only 683 people in the Carrier Dome to witness it. Good, 683
3: people had to leave upset.
0: So, Uh, Colin...
2: Um, One yeah. of the UNC players had eight points, which is absurd. <laughs> my, which, my... In case for those of you who don't know lacrosse, that's goals and assists total lead to your points. But
0: anyway, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. My question for Colin or anyone else who might have an opinion on this. The hashtag fire Desco has been a running joke amongst Syracuse fans because we are very reactionary and dramatic and Desco is one of the best lacrosse coaches in college lacrosse history, and people will always throw that out there after a bad game. How real is that getting for him now? How hot is his seat in reality now?
2: I don't think it's that hot. They were number one last year.
0: I mean, when COVID But, that, but he took that same team and turned them into a dumpster fire. I think yeah. I think
3: it's two separate questions. I think should his seat be hot? No, I don't think it should be hot. I think he's a. I like you said, he's one of the best lacrosse coaches in the team. He if if his players don't execute, there's nothing that he can do. If they don't get ground balls, if they can't clear a ball, if they can't make basic passes, if they're just turning the ball over, there's nothing he can do about it. That's that's not coaching. Um, so I don't think he should be on the hot seat. However, the other part of that is I think it's getting warmer by the by the minute. As as you said, we are reactionary fans. I think. If we close out losing these two games, like it looks like we're going to. And if we start out next year looking the same way that we are now, I think that it gets really hot really quickly. Not but that it could true, we no. get somebody better? I
1: mean, John Desco is a name that I know without having followed lacrosse. Is there someone out there that you could plug into the Syracuse lacrosse program who couldn't get the type of recruits that Desco can?
0: I mean, I would imagine we're a premier job. We're one of the, you know, we're in a list of maybe three schools total that really, historically speaking, no one is in our class. We are the best lacrosse program ever. You would think someone would want to coach there and be the person who brought them their next title after, you know, 15 years.
2: It also probably pays far better than most college lacrosse. Resources that you're not
0: going to have at a lot of other places, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, The only school.
1: Of the available school, like of the coaches out there, how many of them would you trust to give that job to over Desco? I, I guess I'm thinking like, would we have to get a coach from someone who is currently like a top 20 program? And how many of them would leave? You would would probably
0: go you would go for someone who has built a good program at a non traditional lacrosse school, but is very good (sighs) right now. Sorry, is that what you're gonna say?
3: No, what I'm going to say is that the the best candidate who is exactly who you are describing is the current enemy of the podcast who we just put on here last week. The guy at Duke. Was he is under. He is unfortunately the probably the premier college lacrosse coach who took a non-college lacrosse school and built it into a national powerhouse. And as much as it hates me to say it, it is probably John Denowski would be the best guy for the job. I, I don't, don't think... know
1: why he
0: would leave, though. Yeah, That, that's, was, that Duke, was the point I
1: was trying to Duke,
0: make. Duke is a school that has been on par with us for, what, 10, 15 years? About that, yeah. And uh, probably has yeah. just 12. as many, if not more, resources to devote to lacrosse. I don't think that Desco should leave. I, I, I don't think we will get anybody. Yeah, I'm there. not even advocating for it. I'm just trying to stir up conversation because I don't even know. But something has to change. The last issue is that the offense was stagnant. They hired a new offensive coach last year that was fantastic. This year, I don't know because they never have the ball.
2: I'll tell you a name that's going to get thrown in there, even though you know there's many reasons why maybe you wouldn't do this, but people are, would suggest is Gary Gate. He's already at Syracuse running the women's program. He's done a great job with that. He obviously is one of the greatest lacrosse players. I think
3: that's a bad look. Yeah, I, was say, I think it really a bad bad look. The wrong terrible message. look sends the wrong message. Okay. Uh, so,
1: you know, one yeah. question for you lacrosse experts. I pulled up the inside lacrosse D1 poll and it has us at 11th uh, at 5 and 4, you know, two spots down from 9. And when I looked up how the selection goes, you have eight automatic bids for the NCAA attorney and eight at large. Mm-hmm. At number 11, it looks like we would still be in line for an at-large
0: if, bid.
3: if the
1: sequel. If we are
0: 500, we will yes. be in. Whether we deserve it or not, because we are Syracuse, as long as we are 500, we will be in.
3: Yes, if we win one of the next two games, we are in guaranteed. If we win both the next two games, we'll actually get a decently high seed, which is, as Joe said, embarrassing. If we
1: lose Especially the next since... two games. Then why why, why is the bus on fire? Because, because
0: we're unwatchably bad. Yeah.
3: Because It's just not about we making make it... the
0: tournament. It's about having a good team.
3: My expectations for Syracuse lacrosse is national championship. We are not national championship caliber. We are squeaking to the tournament like a basketball team does. And yep. that is not okay for who we are.
2: Well, let's mention those games coming up, because there are two games, April 24th, this Saturday, against fifth-ranked Virginia. Now, Virginia's our big win
3: on the season. They're a much different I team can... now than they were then.
2: Exactly. And then May 1st at second-ranked Notre Dame, which is one of our worst losses. Both of these games, you'll be glad to know, are on national television on ESPNU. that be nice. So everybody can watch. <laughs> whether or not that goes well. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be, uh, I don't know. It's just hard to say it's yeah. Go ahead, Joe.
0: The only thing that keeps me, uh, hopeful for this lacrosse program is knowing that the next couple of years will be built around Tucker Dordovic and Owen Hiltz. That is the hope of the future. Yeah, man, indeed. Uh,
2: Syracuse women's lacrosse did real well. They're 11-1 and one now, ranked third in the country. They beat 18th ranked Louisville, 19-5. to five. Are, are, are we sure yeah, they're
1: third should be Google
2: that? We don't need to do that again, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then they've got Boston College for a doubleheader this weekend, and then they run into uh, the ACC tournament. So uh, they should be on their way to the NCAA tournament. Syracuse women's basketball made a pair of transfer portal additions this week. We're recording this on Monday, the 19th, but yesterday, Sunday, the 18th, they added Arizona State forward Ebony Walker, five foot eleven. She picked SU over uh, several programs, including Arizona, Illinois, Missouri State, UNLV. Coming off of her sophomore season, she had 7.4 points a game, 5.2 rebounds a game. She was the 2019 Gatorade Player of the Year in, the, in Nevada, nominated to the McDonald's All-America game in high school, She was the number 43 recruit in the 2019 recruiting class, according to ESPN. And then today, uh, Monday the 19th, Texas Tech guard Najee Murray announced that she is transferring to Syracuse as well. Five foot six guard, played at San Diego State her first two seasons, uh, had 81 threes in 2019, Uh, set a school record. She averaged 13.7 points a game there in 2019. I guess that was the 2019-2020 season. She was a Mountain West Westall freshman team in 2017-18. At Texas Tech then, she averaged 7.2 points a game, 3.7 rebounds a game, two and a half assists, 19 starts in 24 games. So two good additions. They're now up to 14 players. Remember all those players left the program. There's now 14 players on the roster for next year. So they're Building back to the numbers that they need. Four players so far transferring into the Syracuse basketball program. Good additions. I think um, there's definitely some people who can score, people who can get some rebounds. That's definitely something we need. Of course, I did want to mention, too, unfortunately, Tiana Mangakaya was not drafted in the WNBA draft last week, but she was signed to a Phoenix Mercury training camp contract. So we'll hope that that works out the best, and we can see her playing in the WNBA starting this summer. Did anybody want to say anything about our new recruits, or are we just?
1: Okay. I think transfers can help the
3: program.
0: Yes, they can. We'll I, move, I think move they us will forward I, into the future. Yeah, I, I I
3: I love both these transfers. You know why? Because neither of them are named Bayheim.
0: Not yet, until they marry Jimmy and Buddy and <laughs> Oh no, there's there's a daughter. She plays at Rochester. No, she left the I can't program remember her name. a couple of, she left the basketball uh, program a couple years ago. I think it's Jamie. She actually yeah. quit. But yeah, so
2: no, these are both good So you're saying she has years of
0: eligibility left. left.
2: That is what I'm saying. I just didn't know it. They're both these are both good additions though to the women's basketball program. Let's jump into Syracuse football. Uh, linebacker Terrell Richards is entering the transfer portal. He play, he has two years of eligibility left, mostly with special teams in 2018 and 2019 started three games and appeared in eight in 2020, 24 tackles, three and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks. There's honestly, this is kind of the type time of year where you expect to see some people entering the transfer portal. If people see they're going to get buried on the depth chart, there are 11 linebackers still on the squad. That would tell me that Terrell Richards was seeing the writing on the wall he was not going to be a starter and that he was possibly going to get buried on the depth chart with some of the new additions and whatnot. So I don't know if it's really uh, that big of a loss. First scrimmage was Saturday. Uh, This is the most seniors back ever for a spring for Syracuse football. They um, were live plays. Uh, They were blown dead if they got close to a sack. Eight touchdowns uh, through the air. Uh, For the offense in 20 offensive series, with seven different receivers, DeVito had three touchdown passes, Schrader two. Morgan had one. Lamson had one. Morgan ran for another touchdown. Caleb Okachuku and Josh Black each had two sacks. Uh, Dino acknowledged, as any first scrimmage, you're getting a little bit of the rust off, so... Uh, not a lot, really, to report, but you know they're starting to spend more time outside getting those passes in, starting to install these offenses. Certainly uh, will be interesting to see what we hear from the next scrimmage and when they actually do the spring game. Do not forget... Folks, that we if you have questions, comments, thoughts on any of these things that we've been talking about, make sure to let us know. We have a mailbag segment. Our first mailbag segment is going to be next week. We are getting some people are sending some stuff in. We've got a question about St. Mary's College versus Syracuse (laughs) in football, which will be very fun. We're going to talk about that next week uh, as we get a, a slightly larger mailbag But, uh, and we've got a few other questions about the basketball program and some of these transfers and whatnot, too. Looking forward to getting into those. Uh, But yeah, make sure, you know, let us know in the comments when you give us a rating, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, uh, or tweet at us at 3ILPod. When you like us on Facebook or like uh, when we post the show, drop your comments and your questions.
0: We have an email as well if you want to. There you go. What's the email, Joe? Let me pull it up. Just well, so I, don't. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> I, have it. I, have this, I have it in
3: my Gmail. Oh, man. You oh. can't
0: offer that. Oh. Then, what kind of low... What kind of low we don't know do our <laughs> own email. <laughs> what kind of low... Uh, um, I I've wasn't never felt that so I, much
1: like my parents.
0: I wasn't implying that I had it in front of me. I just think we should... I thought of it just now that we should also try to... Oh,
2: dear God
0: it's three idiots lawyer at gmail
2: there you go three idiots lawyer at gmail.com I just assumed very crucial
0: i assumed through the magic of editing that 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 is not how this would whatever
2: well typically not but that was so funny we're going to leave that in i mean that I never, was never i never
0: implied that i had the email handy i would just you knew moment. that we. You knew the email. You said
1: we have an email. That means that we should probably know what the email is. I mean, that's on all of us for not knowing
0: what our email address is. But it's good to it's know. It's all we my have fault. We don't have to know things. What's, What's our
2: password it? to get into the email, Joe? I'm not going to say that because yeah. you said you're not editing this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, this we is had how had we, had we had find them. out how many
3: listeners we have. I didn't well, even know we had an email.
2: You know what's fun, though, uh, this week is this week is Oscars week. And there's so many good Oscars, uh, so many good sports movies out there. And I just for some fun wanted to say, what what are is everybody's favorite sports movie? Mine, I have to say, one of my favorite sports movies is uh, one I saw finally for the first time last summer, albeit very late. Hoosiers. I think Hoosiers is great. I love Hoosiers. It's a good movie.
3: So if I'm giving a real movie, I will say uh, Miracle. Uh, Miracle is my all-time favorite. also my all-time favorite sports story. Um, if I'm giving a more fun movie that I watch on TBS every time it's on, it's uh, The Replacements with uh, Keanu Reeves. Which mm. if, you, if you haven't mm. seen it,
0: go and watch it. Oh, it's great.
3: Joe? Well, Brett?
0: I, I wanted to hear what Brett said first, but I guess fine. I'll go. Um, So I go back and forth between Field of Dreams and Bull Durham, but right now I'll probably go with Bull Durham.
2: And I think he's saying that because we know that Brett's answer is going to be Field of Dreams.
1: Well, I, I think Joe's heard this explanation before. I'm not sure if you have, Matt. I love Field of Dreams. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. In terms of sports movies, Bull Durham is a far, far better baseball film. That's a exactly far better why sports I went with it.
0: Movie. With the way um, you phrased it, the question, that's why yeah, I went with that one. You know?
1: it, 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 to me, it's not much of a competition in terms of sports movies. You pick Bull Durham. If I'm, but in terms of... Movies. I mean, Field of Dreams is only kind of tangentially about baseball. Baseball is just the form they're using to tell a much larger story. Bull Durham is about baseball, and Bull Durham is a fantastic baseball film, and I I absolutely love it. And that's going to be my my number one.
3: Uh, did you hear? Actually, they are uh, remaking uh, A League of Their Own into a TV show. Oh. I
2: don't know how I feel about this. Only like a maybe. Idea. Is it is it like an HBO thing?
3: I, I don't Netflix know. I literally thing? I like only just heard it today. I know it's going to one of the streaming platforms. It's going to be like oh, a like I believe like a semi like dramatic slash comedic take on a League of Their Own.
1: So I, here I mean, feel a League of Their Own, which is honestly also one of the very very yeah, best baseball films, also, yep. and and that actually yeah. kind of crosses into both where it is both a baseball film that is also telling a much much larger story. Um, in, in one sense, you could argue that it is a better film than either Field of Dreams or Bull Durham. But yeah, the, w- right. the way I could see that working is because A League of Their Own was based on the actual league. It was historical fiction that they could, you know, maybe not focus on the Rockford Peaches, but that they could possibly find a way to do it that where it's not overlapping, you know, with the Tom Hanks character and such and that there is a a way that they could do it that might actually be um more historically accurate i
2: i'm a history buff everybody knows that i'm i'm a big history guy Uh, i know colin is too
3: very
0: much Uh,
2: and so i think there are good ways to go with this and i'll tell you the reason why uh, because i first of all absolutely love a league of their own it is one of the best it is it's it's Brett's right. It's one of the best baseball movies. It's one of the best sports movies. It's just a good movie, period. I mean, you know, it's just an amazing film. Amazing cast. It's funny. It's heartbreaking at moments. It's it's just, it gives you all the feelings in in two hours. It's great. And it's, it's a fabulous film.
1: Did Kit um, drop the ball intentionally? Sorry. No, sorry. Did Dottie t- drop the ball intentionally?
2: No, I don't think so.
1: I think
0: she's too competitive. Joe? Mm, i think it's kind of implied but i don't know i would probably say not but it seems like they want you to think so
3: yeah i think that they want you to think so but i don't think that she would do it intentionally i also all i remember is that i cried at the end of that movie that's all i remember yeah it's
1: it's such every time i watch it i change my mind the last time I watched, I'm like, oh no, she absolutely did not do it intentionally. And, and before that, like I, I very much believe that she did do it intentionally. It's it's every time I watch it, I change my mind.
3: We have to have a three IL league of their own viewing party.
2: This see now this might be an interesting thing. We could start watching sports movies and our comments on them as we go. That would be that would be an interesting. That would be interesting.
3: That's but what let- the listeners are clamoring for. Three hours of three IL, three <laughs> IL content. Oh
2: my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. But but what I did want to say is why I do think this is going to work is, did anybody watch National Geographic did a, uh, and put it on the Disney Plus, they did the right stuff, but they did it as a TV series instead. Of, obviously, it's a fabulous movie. It's about the Mercury Seven. Uh, the the original NASA astronauts, and they did that, and they instead did it as a TV series. And they got to dive a lot more into the details about each of these guys doing the TV series. So the first season only got up to the first launch, uh, Scott Carpenter.
3: How did we but, get here?
2: Uh, no, I'm sorry, Alan, she- Alan Shepard. Alan Shepard was the first.
3: Yeah, I have but, no idea what's going. On. <laughs> what's going on? No, no, point? no.
2: What I was saying. What I was saying is why I thought you could do a League of Their Own as a TV series after it was a good movie. Oh, okay. Because Disney Plus and National Geographic, after you had uh, the right stuff as a movie in the '80s, right? They've done a TV series now that they're doing about the Mercury seven astronauts. And it gets a lot more in depth about the specific stories, the astronauts and whatnot than the movie did. So the movie's great. The series is good. This is a case. The movie is great with a league of their own. And I think a series, if it's more historically accurate and on point with the real people, it could be really, really intriguing as a TV series. That's if all we, I'm saying.
1: If we do ever do a thrill watch, I would nominate Rollerball as one of the first movies just because of how with
3: you, Brad. I would watch Rollerball with you. Absolutely, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) That that that, that movie
1: gets out of hand fast.
3: We should
2: do over the summer, you know what we should do? We should do a movie bracket and just have people vote on their favorite sports movies. Oh, that,
1: that that would just make me yell at people.
2: Well, no, but, well, I don't care if if you yell at at people that might get better ratings. So
1: so, are we we becoming a cable news network?
2: Maybe. Uh, (laughs) It would be fun. I don't know. It's something we'll think. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and we'll let you know. And then if uh, email us at three,
0: the digit three idiots lawyer
2: at (laughs) gmail.com. Okay. Look, we've we've been pushing off. Brett's got something he wants to yell and scream about, so it's time to find out what made Brett mad this week. I
3: can feel your anger. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore.
1: So I was going over the proposed NCAA rule changes for basketball, and some were pretty interesting. Some of them were very stupid, limiting the 10-second backcourt rule. Like, just why? Yeah. Why? But the one that is actually makes me fly off the handle, and I was flying off the handle on this yesterday, actually, and it's, it would be to change the travel rule so you're allowed to take two steps after you pick up your pivot foot. They are making dribbling optional. This is why the NBA is already unwatchable. Because... You don't actually have to do it like defense isn't allowed and you don't have to dribble anymore. Like the first thing that a kid does when they learn how to play basketball is dribble. But no, that's that's no longer important. So now we're going to get more of these James Harden. I'm going to take the ball. I'm going to take 14 steps this way and then shoot. And it's 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 not basketball. It just it looks ugly. I hate it. And it's good. And. I'm glad I'm doing this rant when Kevin's not on on the program because I know he loves it, but no dribbling is part of basketball. You cannot get rid of dribbling. The NCAA wants to get rid of dribbling and it's just going to make the sport too much like the NBA, which is already ugly. And just please don't do it. Please, please, please don't do it. And this of course means they're going to do it.
2: You realize that the NBA is, one of the most watched sports leagues in the world, right? As you call it, unwatchable. It, well,
1: it, it, the reason they are, they have those numbers is because of their, um, access to the Chinese market, which is it whole, obviously the things with Daryl Morey make that more complicated now, but it's becoming, it's unwatchable to me.
2: Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I look, I, I don't think it's the worst thing. I, I, you know what? If they think it's going to improve the game, go for it.
1: It won't. We've seen what it looks like. It just may, it means that defense is impossible. It does nothing but just give all of the power to the shooter. I mean, they are making the sport so one-sided toward the offensive player, which they've already been doing People for the past 20 years. But, but, but they're seeing points, and then there's making it a freaking all-star game every time. Like, sure, you want to see points get better at offense. Don't eliminate defense.
3: I want to go on record uh, as saying that getting rid of the 10-second backcourt rule is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Just FYI. Just so you know.
1: This isn't to say that the NCAA is doing
3: any of these things. Now, they might go to six
1: fouls, though. Which is also dumb. Why? I think that's good. That's good for us. Are you kidding? It's dumb because the reason we're at five fouls and the NBA is at six fouls, we play 40 minutes. The NBA plays 48 minutes. and then. It gets into this whole complicated thing where, well, you foul out of the first half after your third foul, and then you would, but you wouldn't foul out, You like, fouling out of the first half? Like, how cockamamie are we going to get here?
2: Yeah, I don't really agree with that one. But if they wanted to go for six for the game, I wouldn't actually have any
0: problem.
1: Well, with yeah, that. it just means
2: there's that there's going to be in. more
1: fouling, which yeah,
2: will make so the be game like the
0: old more big- boring. Used. No, it won't be like the Big no, East. They let him play. They let him play yeah. back well, there. Yeah. More fouling is going to slow the game down and take away some of the action.
2: Now, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see how that all plays out. But that's all we have for episode forty nine. Forty nine episodes.
3: Uh, I was so mad still, that I broke my pen. Is what I'm showing you. I was I was so upset while I was ranting about Jimmy Beheim that I snapped my pen in half.
2: That is spectacular. <laughs> Just so you all know. that is amazing. Yeah. So tell your friends about uh, the show and and so then they can listen to Colin as he gets so angry, snaps a pen in half. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at 3ILpod. Like us on Facebook, as I've mentioned twice in this show. Please, please, please send us your questions and comments. Whatever is on your mind about Syracuse or otherwise in sports, and we can uh, try to answer or at least give our thoughts. And uh, so you can do that. Comments on Facebook, tweet at us, three idiots lawyer at gmail.com if you would like uh, we won't forget that email address again we <laughs> promise and uh, you can also call Colin personally he'll be dropping his number uh, at some point in the next week
3: yeah so. <laughs>
2: But if you have the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know that you have it. We just want to know it's safe. Certainly email us. We're not-
1: and let us know that
0: you have yeah, it.
2: Yeah. Email us, 3 idiots lawyer at gmail.com. Since we're probably not winning a national title trophy this year, uh, it would be nice to know where that old one is. So until next time for Joe Schell, Brett Fortnum, Colin Lerner, I am Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next time you mm-hmm.